Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life the podcast that explores the connection between mental health and overall well-being. So I'm your host Avik and today we have an incredible guest joining us. Please give a warm welcome to Richard Rosser. A film Oh thank you Avik. <laughs> yeah definitely. So I'd like to mention this to our uh, listeners that so Richard is a filmmaker, author and master storyteller. So uh, we'll definitely explore uh, everything today. We'll get to know him um, uh, close. Uh, but prior to that, I'd like to um, introduce, like, uh, so Richard has uh, owned his craft on hit TV, hit TV shows uh, such as uh, Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, This Is Us, Mac Giver, and 24, bringing captivating stories to life. So his expertise in storytelling um, extends beyond the screen as he has written award-winning books and taught story workshops to over 15,000 participants. Can you imagine? So Richard has even guest lectured at prestigious universities like uh, John Hopkins, Columbia and uh, NYU, sharing his knowledge and passion for the creative process. So what sets uh, Richard apart is his innovative approach to storytelling. So he has developed programs that uh, empower individuals to express themselves through AI enhanced storytelling. So in fact, his uh, most recent book, Chat GPT Simplified, I guess you all have heard about it. So offers non-tech professionals a unique approach to unlocking the incredible potential of AI. So his experiences working on renowned TV shows have taught him the value of a well-told story. And he understands that great storytelling uh, goes beyond simply keeping viewers hooked. So it's a powerful tool. To for uh, communicating big ideas, evoking emotions, and the challenging perspectives. So what makes this episode even more exciting is Richard's fascinating with ChatGPT, a new tool for brainstorming, outlining market research, and content creation, and etc, etc, etc. There are a lot of things. So as an expert in communication, Richard is eager to harness the power of ChatGPT despite its limitations. So he firmly believes it will revolutionize how we connect and engage with one another. So if you are interested in diving into the world of storytelling, the creative process and the AI enhanced storytelling, this episode is not to be missed. So Richard will share his expertise, practical tips, and strategies that can transform the way you communicate and connect with others. So make sure to subscribe to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life to receive updates on different episodes and uh, also check out the show notes of this episode uh, where I'll definitely put all the details and all the links so that you can easily connect with Richard. So without further ado, let's start the show and welcome again, Richard. Well, thank you, Avik. I'm really excited to be here. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to dive deep into uh, storytelling and and AI as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. So, um, so Richard, like, uh, if you can tell, like, how has storytelling played a significant role uh, in your in your personal and professional journey? 
Well, I started telling stories, as, as many of us do, when I was a, a little child. And my father was, he, he was an amazing storyteller. And he loved to tell story jokes. You know, not, not just a sort of set up and punchline, set up punchline, but a story joke that's maybe a minute or two or even three minutes long. And it goes on and on. And then you get to the punchline. And sometimes with a story joke, the punchline is what we call a groaner, right? You sort of go, ah, but that's not the fun of the story joke. The fun of the story joke is the physicality of the characters in the joke. And sometimes my dad would add fun voices or sound effects to bring these stories to life. And as I grew up sitting around the dinner table or parties or get togethers, he would launch into one of his stories that I had told, I had heard, uh, you know, a hundred times, but they were still just as entertaining because they, he didn't just tell them in a monotone tone. He would, he would tell them and bring the characters to life. So I got interested in film and filmmaking. I moved to New York and, and lived in New York for uh, almost, uh, almost 15 years working in the in the film business. So I was doing TV and feature films and commercials and music videos. And I really was more interested in TV and feature film because the stories were uh, were much more um, they had much more interaction and depth to them than, say, a commercial or a music video. And and so I was doing a lot of traveling and I, you know, I, I had two young kids at the time and a director that I was working with, I was bemoaning the fact that I traveled all the time. And he said, oh, stop your belly aching. If you want to never travel again, then move to Los Angeles and get in the TV business. And so I, my wife and I, you know, packed everything up, moved to Los Angeles and, uh, and we've been here ever since. And so storytelling I've worked in, in, in storytelling in a professional capacity on all these various TV shows. And you mentioned Grey's Anatomy and Chicago Med, and I worked on 24 for eight years. And uh, This Is Us, which is a hit show on NBC. And I've, I've worked at helping tell these stories through characters and actors and, and being on set. But I realized when I was between seasons or between shows, I realized the value of storytelling on an everyday basis for us all. And I realized that we tell stories every single day. In fact, there's a, there's a t statistic that states 85% of all our daily communication is through story or some sort of narrative structure. And I thought 85%, that's, that's a lot. I don't tell that many stories in a day, but it's not that we tell a story. It's that we communicate through story and storytelling. And there's, and there's, and there's a difference, right? And so that's, that's some of the power of storytelling, enabling us to communicate uh, concepts, ideas. Uh, we, we use storytelling for all sorts of things. We use storytelling simply to entertain sometimes, and that's all it is. But we also use storytelling to educate and persuade and connect. And storytelling is one of the best ways to connect a, a storyteller and their audience. And an audience may be one person or it may be two or three hundred people. If, uh, if I was speaking to a company and we had all the employees in one room, it might be two or three hundred people or, or on Zoom now. And um, but it, it's the idea is to connect to the audience uh, in an emotional way so that they take away something from the talk, from the story, from the speech, and, and it resonates with them. So exactly. That, that's, that's definitely. And great, great. Um, you, you shifted uh, to uh, New York. So that is the reason we are, uh, I mean, uh, we, uh, we are lucky to uh, see and hear a lot more story, storytelling from you. So that that's that's great. So um, as a filmmaker, as a filmmaker, author, and the master storyteller, um, what inspired you to pursue the storytelling uh, as your creative medium? Well, so I've been working professionally telling stories, yeah, and and I started thinking about you know what I could do to to work with with children and students. 
And at one point, my my daughter, uh, she had her learner's permit to learn how to drive. And we went driving one day and she was driving and I was I was in the passenger seat and uh, and something happened. And then that that evening at dinner, I said to my daughter, Allie, tell mom the story about what happened today when you were driving. And she said, oh, mom, I almost ran over a cat. And I, I said, no, no, no. That's what happened. But you tell the story. You didn't you didn't tell the story. And she looked at me and she said, but that's what happened. And I said, no, no, no. The story is we're coming around this curve. And as we come around the curve, we see a cat sitting in the middle of the road. And as we come upon it, it doesn't move. And so Allie slams on the brakes and screech, and she runs. She drives over the cat, not runs over it, but drives. So the four wheels are over and the cat is in the middle. So the car literally drives over the cat. And we look back. And behind us, the cat pops up from behind the car and goes and runs off into the brush to live another eight lives. And that is the story of almost running over the cat. Now, my daughter was we were sitting at the dinner table with my wife and and she said, oh, I get it. And so even my own daughter, when she was 15 or so, she didn't understand the value of the story. You know, it, what she said took literally three seconds. You know, I almost ran over a cat today. And out of that single sentence came a fun incident that uh, that was entertaining. My wife was laughing and, and she was like, oh, my gosh, you did almost run over. You you actually ran over a cat. You didn't hit it. And so I, I realized the value of storytelling and how it gives us the ability to communicate and connect with folks. And so it was really that incident that propelled me into working with all sorts of folks. I, I started with students, but now I work with companies and I consult, I work with entrepreneurs and startups and existing companies, and we explore how story can help a company or an entrepreneur or person uh, really amplify their message, amplify their creativity. Wow, that that's so lovely. So, um, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, I I really love the way you explained this story about the cat and how the cat reacted. So it's really awesome, really awesome. So, in your opinion, like uh, what makes storytelling such a powerful tool for communication and the connection? Hmm. Avik, that's a great question. So in order to do that, we need to go back into the past. We need to go back 400 years, 800 years. We need to go back 10,000 years into the past. Now, what happened 10,000 years ago? Well, there were cave people, right? Or people living out on the land. And there were crazy animals that were out to get them. Saber-toothed tigers. Also, you know, and, uh, and so... What happened then? How did those people communicate in terms of trying to express themselves? They didn't, they didn't have words at that point. And they were developing a language. And part of what helped them develop that language is the use of story. And if we think about, uh, say, for instance, I was a cave person back in, you know, back 10,000 years ago, and I went down to the river to get some water in the evening, and it's dusk, and it's a little dark, and I'm, I'm getting water, and all of a sudden, a saber-toothed tiger comes out, and I narrowly, narrowly escape getting eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. Well, I run back. And I tell everyone through grunts and uh, hand gestures and all sorts and, and sound effects, I try to tell them don't go down to the river at dusk because there's a saber toothed tiger there who will eat you. Well, that's a story, right? Story in, in the beginning, it was about survival. It was about, uh, it was about warning others uh, about unsafe unsafe incidents, right? Like saber-toothed tigers. And so language, as language developed, story developed and storytelling skills developed in terms of being able to express yourself to other folks. And so ultimately, what we want to do is we want to work on these techniques to become a better storyteller, to become a better, a better communicator, right? Because just as my daughter 
she uh, she just said, oh, yeah, mom, I almost run over a cat today. Well, the story is much bigger than that. And within the story, she could use vocal, her vocal range. She could use modulation and volume and pitch to her voice. She can use hand gestures. And for those those folks who are just listening and not actually watching the video, uh, I tend to use my hands a lot when I'm talking. Avid can uh, can tell you that. And so we want to bring our body and our and our voice and our expressions to life as we're telling stories, because that helps us convey the message that we're trying to get across to our audience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And also, this is a kind of gesture which, uh, like, while talking, like, I also do like this. So, while talking, when you use your hands, when you um, express this thing, so this this means, like, you are deeply into it. You are actually mm -hmm. wanting to um, express so that uh, the person who is in front of you or maybe uh, around you, they, they can understand what exactly the story is. So, that's a, that's a great thing. That's a great thing, yeah. And Avik, um, we've talked a little bit about the physicality <laughs> of story and storytelling. And, you know, we talked about going 10,000 years in the past and how we came up with hand gestures and grunts and sound effects. But also what has developed alongside that is our brains have become wired to understand and communicate through story. And there's a, there's all sorts of brain science that really uh, it really runs our brain based on story. And let me give you let me give you one great example. There's a there's a concept called narrative transport. And what that means is that we're transported by the narrative of the story. Now, where are we transported? Well, we're transported to a different time and place. So think about your favorite book or your favorite movie or your favorite song. And when you're involved, either reading or watching or listening, what happens to you and what happens to your brain? Well, all of a sudden, you everything else falls away. You may not hear the buzzer that's going off with a, with a pizza in the oven and your pizza is burning and you don't even smell it, right? And there's someone knocking at the door with a delivery and you don't hear the knocking. And why? It's because the story that you're listening to or, or watching or reading has transported you like, like Hogwarts. It's, you know, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling has taken Harry Potter and transported you to Hogwarts. Or, uh, you know, or I mean, there, there are a million places that you can go through a story. And so that is the ultimate goal of a story is narrative transport, transporting the, the viewer or the audience to a different time and place. So if I'm if I'm speaking to an audience of folks and it's say it's a two, an audience of 200 people and I'm up there and I'm talking and I'm telling my story. And if if I get to the point with that audience that they're not thinking about, oh, they have to check their phone and they have a meeting in, in an hour or they have to return a phone call or re return an email to someone. If I if they're not thinking about that, then I have transported them through my story and my storytelling techniques to a different place or a different time or a different concept. And so ultimately, that's the goal for us as storytellers. And again, you know, I say storyteller, but storytelling is a, is kind of a crazy concept and a lot of people think oh i'm i'm not good at telling stories and they say oh i'm not a good storyteller but ultimately it's it's about folks just digging into the details of what happened just like with my daughter she had the ability to tell the story now since i told the expanded version of oh mom i almost ran over a dog I've heard her tell the story of almost running over the dog, sort of like mine. And she adds her own viewpoint and vantage point of how it happened, right? And she tells the story now about coming around. And so it's now it's told through her lens, through her viewpoint. And that's really important when we tell stories, because the more you make the story your own, the better the story is going to be. The more details you pepper into the story, 
the better it's, the more entertaining it's going to be, the more compelling that story is going to be. Wow. Lovely. This is so, okay. So, um, throughout your career, like you have worked on hit TV shows, like I mentioned, um, The Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, This Is Us, and all. So, how has your experience in the television industry influenced your approach to storytelling? Avik, you have some great questions. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm loving diving. You're, you're helping us dive deep into this. Well, you know, when, when I'm on a film set and we're working to tell a story professionally, it's told at a heightened sense. Uh, if we take a show like 24, for example, now some of your viewers may not know what 20, the show 24 is or was, but it's about a counter-terrorist unit and this guy, Jack Bauer, who goes out and he basically saves the world mm -hmm. from terrorism. And so as he does this, we're going to heighten the experience. We're going to raise the stakes. And so every episode, every, every uh, season of 24, it, it was almost a one-upmanship. The first season, he was saving a, uh, a senator who was nominated for president. He was saving that senator from being assassinated. And by the second or third or fourth season, he was saving the entire United States from being blown up by a nuclear bomb. And so storytelling, fictional storytelling, like TV shows or movies or books, is all about heightening the moments that are happening. For instance, um, at one point, uh, one of the directors who was working on the show said, oh, we should have a platter of, of sandwiches because it's 24 hours. We're into hour 16 or 17. People are hungry. So we had someone walking around and people would take a sandwich and take a bite. And the executive producer of the show came in and he said, nope, get the tray of sandwiches out of here. There are three things we're not showing on the show 24. We're not showing people eating. We're not showing people sleeping. And we're not showing people going to the bathroom. And we said, yeah, but I mean, everyone's wondering, how on earth does Jack Bauer ever go to the bathroom? Or when does he get any sleep? He's up for 24 hours straight. And the executive producer, the creator of the show said, you know what? People aren't paying to watch TV and see people sleep, eat, or go to the bathroom. And it was really interesting. When you think about it, you're right. Who wants to be watching a TV show and see someone eating, sleeping, or going to the bathroom? And so what it did was it heightened the experience. So now we can do the same thing on a daily basis. When we launch into a story, similar to the story about almost running over the cat, we can heighten the experience. We can take our, our viewers or our, our listeners, our audience, sort of to the edge of their seats with whatever story we're telling. Now, Avik, one of the main things to keep in mind with a story is the story needs to have a point. And I'm sure you have friends or relatives who, you know, when they tell a story, they just sort of ramble, right? They say, oh, uh, yeah, what happened yesterday? Oh, well, I got in the car and I drove and I drove to the store and then I got some I got some food and I came back home. And uh, did you fix the food? No, no, I just put it in the cupboard. And then uh, and then I watched some TV and and you just go along and along and you're waiting for something to happen and nothing happens in the story. And you, and you get to the end of the well, it's not even really a story. It's it's like an anti story. And you get to the end and you think, wow, what, what you just told me took three or four or five minutes. I want those five minutes of my life back because your story didn't have a point. It didn't have anything. It wasn't entertaining. It wasn't, me, it, it wasn't meant to entertain me or persuade me or educate me. I didn't learn anything during your story. So that's one of the things that we, we need to think about when we're telling stories. And this is telling stories on an everyday basis. But also, if you're tasked with communicating with, uh, with a, a team of folks or a group of folks, you want to think about the point that you're trying to make with the story before you embark on that story. And so ultimately, every story should have a point. And now, so again, sometimes the point is simply to entertain. 
But if you're going to entertain, then ultimately you better get a laugh or you better, you know, get your get your uh, listener to cry or something. There, there, there wants to be some sort of a reaction to the story as opposed to just sort of going, uh-huh, okay, all right, great, right? I mean, if that's the only reaction that you get when you tell a story, you need to rethink the story or rethink some of the details about what happens in the story. Oh, great. So, uh, like you have also written the award-winning books and um, the taught story workshop to thousands of participants. Um, so, what are some of the um, essential uh, elements or the techniques you emphasize uh, when teaching others the art of storytelling? Oh, Abhik. So, again, what we're trying to do when we tell a story <laughs> is we're trying to connect. And whether whether it's you and I going out to lunch and you say, hey, what did you do this weekend? And I tell you a story about what I did over the weekend. That's a connection point. Or if I'm talking to a, a team of, say, five or six people or a group of 200 or 300 people, I'm looking to connect on an emotional level. Now, when I say an emotional level, I don't mean that I have to get the whole group crying. Um, there is, you know, there's there's getting emotional and then there's connecting on an emotional level. Emotions, uh, there's a huge range of emotions. There's joy, there's anger, there's frustration, there's, uh, there's sadness. And so what we want to do is we want to tap into those emotions in order to, con to connect. But it's not about getting the audience emotional. But one of the things that we can do is we can share sort of like-minded experiences. If I'm talking to a group of musicians, then I want to I dig in and I want to talk to them in terms of the language and the, the concepts and the subjects that they are interested in, right? If I go in to talk to a group of musicians, I don't want to start talking about, uh, you know, negative balance accounting with, uh, you know, uh, and debit and, and uh, debit ledgers and balance sheets. And I, they're going to be bored out of their skulls. Right. Conversely, and, and, and there may be an accountant or two who are musicians who may understand what I'm talking about. For the most part, though, they may be sitting there going, what on earth is Richard talking about now? And conversely, if I go to talk to a group of accountants, I'm not just going to talk about uh, writing music. I'm not going to talk about, oh, well, we could use a guitar or we could use a, a drum machine or a synthesizer and write in, a, you know, oh, I, I could come up with a great song in A flat minor. Right. These accountants, again, some of the accountants may be musicians, but the majority of them are, are going to be going, wait a second, I don't understand what this has to do with accounting. And so what we want to do is before we before we actually speak to uh, a group of folks or, or a team, we want to figure out we want to do a little bit of homework and figure out who that team is, who that group of folks is so that we can appeal to them in their own language, in their own domain or arena, so to speak. And so part of part of being a successful speaker or storyteller is the ability to read an audience and connect with that audience and talk to that audience on their own terms. And, and again, part of that is when you, when you tell someone a story, you can tell when they're interested. Yeah. And Avik, what, what are some clues that, uh, that you could tell me that would, that would tell me whether an audience is interested or, or not? Mm -hmm. Do you have any do you have any ideas of of clues that could tell me if an audience is interested? They will uh, respond back or maybe they will uh, come up with some query or maybe they they will try to interact in a uh, right. So, yeah, if, if I'm talking to an audience of 100 people or 200 people and I look out and the majority of those folks have their phone in their hand and they're sort of looking at me and then looking down, looking at me and looking down, then I know that they're not captivated mm -hmm. because they're looking down at their phones or checking their, uh, they're checking their voicemail checking their email, checking their, their texts or Instagram. And, but if, if on the other hand, if I look out at a group and their eyes are looking directly at me and I'm making eye contact, 
and they they their phones are either you know face down or they're in their pocket then i know that the audience is with me on this journey of story that i'm telling in whatever speech or you know whatever whatever environment that, that we're in and again it's important to remember that that a story can be just as simple as uh, as talking to one person now I do. I, I like to keep my workshops and seminars very interactive. And so I've come up with breakout sessions that help that help folks understand the value of story. And there's one I'd like to share with you, Avik. Uh, have you ever heard of Hemingway's six word story? Uh, no. Okay. So Ernest Hemingway, who, who was a writer, um, he came up with the idea for a six-word story. Now, the six-word story goes like this. Baby shoes for sale, never worn. Now, think about that. Think about the first four words, baby shoes for sale, and you, th and you conjure up a vision of, I think of these little white sort of leather baby shoes and uh, they don't have any scuff marks on them and, and uh, they're, they're ready for a baby to wear. But then when you hear the other two words, never used or never worn, then all of a sudden it puts, it puts us in a different place with the thought of these baby shoes. So when you hear the baby shoes, and, and originally, I might have thought, oh, they have some scuff marks on them because the baby, you know, ran around and they're old and they're and they're, you know, they, they've been used by one or two or three babies. Right. But when you hear never worn, you think, wait a second, these baby shoes were never worn. What happened? What happened to the baby? What happened to the parents of the baby? All of a sudden, your brain starts filling in cracks and filling in the distance between those words. And so what I do is I work on having the folks who are in the seminar, in the workshop, we do an actual six word exercise. Now, let me just back up a second. And when, when we're in the actual uh, workshop, when we do our breakout session, the first thing I do is I say to everyone, okay, take a piece of paper and a pencil or pen and think of a sensory memory, a sense memory from when you were a child. So think of something that you remember, either a visual or a sound or a smell or a touch, something that you can sort of latch onto to remind you of your childhood. And someone may, may come up with the smell of their favorite food that their mother or father used to fix. Or they may, like one woman uh, said, oh, I remember my mom used to rub my forehead. That's touch. And so as we go through this, then everyone comes up with a sense memory based on their childhood. So that's embedded inside them, right? It's a deep-seated memory. And then what I do is I talk about the six-word story that Hemingway created. And, I, and then I bring the two together. And I say, all right, now... Everyone, I want you all, everyone to create their own six word story, but take the sense memory that you came up with that you remember from childhood and use it as the basis for the six word story. Because Avik, when, you know, when, when we're in a workshop or a seminar, time is of the essence. We don't have that much time. And so I know that some people might spend five or 10 minutes just trying to figure out what to write about. But by by doing this precursor, by giving folks uh, this idea of, oh, come up with a sense memory, it all of a sudden gives them the basis for the uh, for the story. And so we've had incredible stories. Six words come out of these sense memories. One one gentleman, he uh, he came up with a story about the only time that he and his father ever hugged in six words. And it was sort of like the you know the story about the baby shoes and the, the woman who talked about how her mom would rub her forehead it came out in her six word story that her mom did that when she was anxious or nervous about something maybe it was she had a test at school the next day or maybe she'd been bullied by another child and so what it does is it gives us the ability to conjure up a story in six words, very simply, but that's deep seated. It goes way back to our childhood. And, and that gives the audience a sense of place and purpose and, uh, and, and sort of it harkens back 
to the childhood of the storyteller who's telling that story. And it's amazing how, how the six words can be so powerful uh, when they're driven by an experience like, uh, like you know, a sense of memory from, from childhood. Definitely. No, that's a, that's a great, uh, great thing for sure. So, uh, I, I definitely want to understand also about the um, AI thing as well, about the chat GPT. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in, in your, um, like, recent book, Chat GPT Simplified, uh, you you explore the incredible potential of AI in storytelling. So, yes. what are your thoughts on the ethical considerations and the uh, potential risks associated with the AI-generated narratives? Well, let's let's stop a second and think about what we're talking about. So, I've coined a phrase that is called AI-enhanced storytelling. Because ultimately, I think of ChatGPT in specific and AI in general as a tool to help me and other folks uh, be more of ourselves, right? So ChatGPT can really help me amplify my message, my creativity, my individualism. And, And so ultimately... ChatGPT is a tool, just like a calculator is a tool for a mathematician or an engineer. If you think about an engineer who's tasked with getting a rocket, a SpaceX rocket up into space, you wouldn't expect that engineer to do that with just a pad of paper and a pencil or a pen. They're going to need a calculator or even, you know, a high-end computer with software that helps them engineer all that has to go into that rocket to get it to shoot up into space. Well, it's a very similar situation in terms of using ChatGPT. I don't expect anyone to just put in a prompt or a question and get the answer back and use it immediately. It's a process, it's an iterative process where we explore the use of the technology and use the technology to heighten our creativity and what we're trying to say. And now if we if we take a look at ChatGPT, one of the coolest things that we can do with, with this technology is brainstorming. Now, when I start to brainstorm, because uh, I, I use, I use uh, ChatGPT to help me brainstorm ideas for, for workshops, seminars, and blog posts, and all sorts of things. But what ChatGPT does, because it's, because it's been fed millions, billions upon billions of PDFs and documents and blog posts and master's theses and doctoral dissertations, it has this, it has access to all this information that really uh, encapsulates the thought of hundreds, of, if not millions of, of folks. And so it, when, I, when I use ChatGPT to help me brainstorm, it's like having a philosopher and a scientist and a composer and an author and a graphic designer all in the room with me because it brings, it brings to light a different viewpoint about whatever, whatever I'm looking into. And so the first thing that, that ChatGPT is really, really good at is brainstorming. And then the next one, so when, say, for instance, I'm, I'm working on a workshop and I, and well, here's a good example. I'm working with a, with a career tech school and they said to me, we love your approach to storytelling. We'd love, we'd love for you to create a class that's storytelling for trainers. And I said, great, that sounds excellent. Let's do it. And we finished up the zoom call. And I got off and I said, wait a second, I don't know anything about trainers. What do I know about trainers? And so I went and logged on to my favorite research assistant, ChatGPT, and I went in and I said, what would a workshop that's called storytelling for trainers, what would it look like? What would it consist of? What parts would it have? And what would I need to cover in this workshop for the trainers? And ChatGPT spits out an outline of this workshop. Well, I can take that outline and I can look at it and say, oh, I, 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 that's terrible. Or that's great. Ooh, I'm going to use that. But then at that point, I start going through the outline and figuring out what's going to 
work for me and what not going to work within what I know about storytelling and workshops. And I'm now learning about trainers. And so that's really the one of the biggest values of ChatGPT is its ability to help us think outside the box about you know, subjects and concepts that we really don't know that much about. So as I'm putting together that outline, I'm using information from ChatGPT, but I'm also combining it with my experience and my knowledge. So I'm using ChatGPT and AI to enhance what I've originally conceptualized, which is a storytelling for trainers seminar or workshop. And so that's why I say it's AI enhanced storytelling, because ultimately we want this tool to be a connection of ourselves. I want to come up with a concept and I want to fulfill that with the help of ChatGPT. Now, there are some folks who would say that, uh, that this technology is going to just reduce us all to robots. And that because we'd use the same prompts, all of our communication is just going to turn into mush. And I don't know about you, Avik, but I, I, I've, I've gotten a number of responses lately, whether it's an email or, you know, a, a DM on, on some social media. But I can tell, I can tell when something was written with ChatGPT or BARD or Bing, you know, any of these text generative AI technologies. I can tell the, because the way it's written, it, it, it has a certain way of, of writing that I know instinctively that it was written by a chatbot. And ultimately our goal is to create something that no one knows. It was, it was we, that a chat GPT or Bard or Bing, no one knows that we got help creating it, right? And so if, for instance, if you, if you have a prompt and, and it's a prompt to write a blog post, and you say, oh my gosh, Richard, I've got this prompt here, you can use it. And I take that prompt and I use it. Even though our blog posts may be about different subjects, they may have the same sort of flavor or feel to them. They may read very similar. And ultimately what I need to do is I need to take that, that, uh, that uh, you know, question, that prompt, and I need to reflect my personality. So I need to create that and, and uh, I need to tweak it and customize that prompt so that it becomes how I want to communicate. So if I was going to do that, I might type into the prompt and expand it a little bit and say, okay, add some energy about this and uh, ooh, include some pop culture references and maybe some humor. And all of a sudden I've taken, I've taken that, uh, that technology and I'm harnessing it so it can be, it can be more me when it goes out in the world and returns, uh, a gen it generates a response. That response will sound more like my voice as a writer or a speaker or a creator. And so ultimately, you know, what we want to do is everyone wants to take this technology as an extension of themselves and to, to heighten their creativity or their individualism. And so just like, for instance, there, you know, there's Burger King and McDonald's. Well, all the burgers at Burger King, they all taste the same. I mean, that's part of the idea. And the same thing with McDonald's. They, all the McDonald's hamburgers taste the same. Well, when we're trying to be creative, when we're trying to get people to pay attention to our message, the last thing we want to do is, is I don't want to sound like you and you don't want to sound like your, you know, your other three or four friends who are working on projects. We want to sound like ourselves. We want to stand out from the crowd. And, and so the, uh, the idea is to use this technology to do just that. And so I, I think that uh, the people who are afraid of, of us turning into robots, of us sounding all alike, we need to think past just using one prompt for a hundred or a thousand or, or you know, 10,000 people. We need to consider the fact that everyone is an individual and we, each of us is, are the, is the experiences that make up our personality. Exactly. So, um, great. Thank you for sharing this. So, um, before we wrap up, like, um, what do you see? I mean, or rather I would say, how do you see uh, storytelling evolving in the digital age with platforms like social media, podcasts, and short form of content becoming more prevalent? 
Well, again, I have a fantastic question because that's where we're headed. It's it's interesting that in the past, how old is TikTok? It's it's five years old, six years old, if that. I, but it's it it has flipped everything to the point where TikTok is huge, and so I think we always need to be on the lookout for the next way of communicating. And ultimately, we're going to end up using some element of story or storytelling. For instance, in TikTok, the best TikTok videos that I've seen incorporate some sort of a story or narrative structure, because that's what hooks the viewer and gets them to spend some TikTok videos are only 15 seconds long or 10 seconds long. But that hook, that interesting thing that hits us is what ultimately convinces us to spend the time watching the TikTok video and what's going on. If, if there's some mystery or if there's something that comes out that enriches, uh, enriches our thought or our lives in that TikTok video, then that is entertaining. And if we learn something from that video, then it's entertaining and it's educational. So ultimately, we, what we're going to do is we're going to keep uh, moving forward with, with technology and we're going to figure out incredible ways of using that technology to tell our stories. But the, but the goal is to tell personal stories that, that compel an audience to watch and take, uh, take the audience along on that transport narratively to a different place. And again, when you watch a TikTok video or an Instagram shorts video or a story video, it's, it could be 15 seconds long, but it can still take us to a place that the storyteller is telling us about. And so that is, that is what it's all about, is, is creating a compelling or captivating story that can take our audience on a, a journey, even if that journey is only 10 or 15 seconds long. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to, uh, I'd love to give a little challenge to the listeners. And this challenge is very simple, but over the next 24 or 48 hours, I would love for you to stop at various points and reflect on, on story and your life and how you communicate through story. So in other words, think about if you, if you go out to lunch with a friend or if you're, if you're talking with a friend on Zoom and, you, and they say, hey, what, what'd you do? Or what, do, what, do you, what plans do you have for the weekend? Think about the story that you tell that creates that environment where they're listening to you and thinking about either what you did the past weekend or what you're gearing up to do this coming weekend. And story isn't always, as we've talked, story isn't always about verbal communication. It also contains visual communication in terms of body language, body movement, uh, gestures. It's also not just about the, the language that you speak, but how you speak that language. I would think a second about babies. Babies, they don't understand language, but they can certainly understand what a mother or father is saying to them. Why? Because of the tone of voice that the mom or dad uses. And so stop and reflect about how story takes place in your life and how you use story to either communicate to someone else or you use story to understand what someone else is saying. And in terms of the verbal communication or lack thereof, you can also think about the stories that you tell yourself. Now, my wife and I, we call this grinding. When you have a, a, an issue or a challenge or a problem that you're up against and your brain just keeps working on it. Sometimes even when you sleep, your dreams are infused with, with this grinding, right? Trying to figure out the best way to solve the issue or the problem or the challenge. So the idea is in the next 24, 48 hours, I'd love for you to just stop and reflect every once in a while about how powerful and important story and storytelling are in your life and how you can become better storytellers and ultimately better communicators. Wow. That's great. That's great. Thank you for joining on this um, 
enchanting journey uh, through the power and magic of communication uh, through the storytelling. Um, so You're thank- welcome. Well, just so you know, if if folks are interested in my book, they can go to my website. My website is AIexplained.ai, AIexplained.ai. And there, there's a direct link to my book, but there's also a free book that uh, the users can download there, uh, ChatGPT case studies. So Avik, this is this has just been wonderful. I've I've had a blast talking uh, talking through story and AI and ChatGPT. It's been wonderful. Great, great. So definitely, I'll I'll, I'll put all these links uh, into the show notes so that it will be easier for the listeners to reach out to you and uh, get this um, the benefit for sure. So uh, also, like we hope that uh, the listeners you have found this. Uh, episode of inspiration and insights from our guest Richard, a renowned filmmaker, author, and ma- uh, master storyteller. So uh, always remember that storytelling goes beyond the realms uh, of entertainment. It has the potential to shape our lives, influence perspectives, and uh, create the connections. So as uh, Richard shared, uh, a well-crafted narrative can be our greatest ally in various aspects of life from job interviews to public speaking arrangements etc so it's it's all about harnessing the power of storytelling to engage and sway your audience so uh like if you have enjoyed this episode of unleashing the enchanting art the power and magic of communication through storytelling uh, make sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay updated for future episodes. So your support and feedback mean the world to us, definitely. So, and if you have found value in what you heard today, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave us a review and share this episode with others who might benefit from it. So stay tuned for more captivating conversations and inspiring stories uh, on unleashing the enchanting art like we talked about and also remember that every story has the power to change lives and create lasting impact so go out there and unleash the magic of your own storytelling so thank you once again for joining us and until next time keep crafting stories that captivate inspire and transform so have a great day thank you